Beginning on the 14th of September 1994, Southern Africa experienced an unprecedented rash of UFO sightings. The UFO flaps beginning would be marked with a breathtaking display of nighttime lights that, at the time, astronomers attributed to a meteor shower. The media was then treated to a number of other unexplainable sightings that occurred in the following days. A trucker reported seeing strange beings crossing the road in front of him. A mother and her son reported seeing an unusual visitor during daylight hours. Then, two days later, UFO investigator Cynthia Hind would receive a call about a mass sighting by a group of students at a local private school. An event that, to this day, has affected the lives of those involved, even as adults. This case file, the theorists head down Africa way to Harare, Zimbabwe for the Aerial School UFO Encounter. Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 203, the Zimbabwe encounter, UFO encounter, aerial school. UFO There's a lot of names involved, so brain Phenomena. 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 I'm Braden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. And I'm Andrew. It says the case file title right on the screen every time we yeah. record. Where? <laughs> Where? It's on the video. It's, no, like, it's not on my screen. Oh. It's on the video. It's on the meme that was released today. I just look stories. at this. I just look at this big picture of my own face on here. Isn't that what you guys do? <laughs> you don't admire your own YouTube faces, the Skype faces? That's all I do. No. I make sure mine's blocked out. I I minimize your guys's minds. Cheers, Braden. <laughs> Braden's got his own live stream separately of the show. It's just him. Yeah, I crop you guys up. He's got his own own YouTube channel. Perfect example is that Braden's making some fantastic conversation starter memes that he's sending the group to get approval for everybody. And like he's got pictures of all four <laughs> of us on them. And for me, Dan and Zell, he pulls off these generic pictures off our website. And then his face is like fucking full costume. Fake fucking glasses on, wig and everything. It's like, oh yeah, man, cool. Wig? Yeah, wig. What are you talking about wig? I'm talking about wig, bud. That was my hair. Yeah. Well, I, you know. Uh, <laughs> hey, look at me. I'm Braden. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I'm going to introduce the show. Hey, hey everybody. It's, it's me again. Listen yeah. to my voice. It's Braden. There's a guy on our Patreon that literally everything we do recently and every post... He just goes, Braden just likes to hear himself talk. And I'm like, amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> amen, brother. Buddy, the sooner you just embrace it, the happier you'll be. It's just yeah. him. That's the way it is. It's all good. I mean, you guys, once you, before you submit your audio to Zell, you just listen back to your own voice, right? For the full two hours, right? Oh, I can't even listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to my own voice and I want to shoot. Right, yeah, I can count uh, the times that I've actually gone back and re-listened to a podcast on one hand. Every episode. <laughs> Oh. Well, it's so oh. uh, I used to listen to a lot early on, like when they'd come out, because it was like, and I, it was cringe. Like I was like, oh. 
But uh, now I don't listen. Only when I'm like editing videos or something, I'll listen. Sometimes I listen back to the Dungeons and Dragons. It's still cringe. You just don't listen back. So it's easy. Yeah. Well, here's to here's to getting worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Downhill from here again. Yeah. Yeah. Two, it was all uphill to 200 and we're coasting it to 400. <laughs> <laughs> we're riding this ship right into the ground. Anyways, tonight we're talking about the Zimbabwe... Uh, UFO. I don't. What do we call kind it? Of, the aerial UFO sighting. Aerial UFO sighting. Like got aerial it. school. But, they, but it landed. Well, according to which kids you talk to, Ben. <laughs> I guess so. This one's uh, a bit, interesting. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, go ahead, Dan. I'd say this is <laughs> your a turn bit for of a your voice. Cut. I wasn't quite done yet, but I'm sure. I'm sure we could all go on and <laughs> listen to Braden talk for another, you know, 45 minutes or so, and then actually get to the case file. But, I had I mean, a couple an- anecdotes I wanted, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's two fine. pages of notes. <laughs> <laughs> I had some new bits I was going to work out, but yeah, it's all good. Go oh, ahead, Dan. Hey. Well, I don't know. I mean, if we're going to get to the case file, are we going to get to the case file? Or? Dan, get us to the case file, brother. All right. Take it to the bridge. Um, September 16th, 1994. This one's a bit of a deep cut. Uh, the I would say I, I have heard about this one before. People people asked us to uh, cover this one. Um, people have mentioned this one. And I know I had I had heard of it before. It it made it onto the TV show Sightings, if anybody remembers that 90s, like early 2000s TV show um, in the United States. I used to watch it all the time. And I think I remember seeing clips uh, from this. Uh, some of the most memorable parts of this case that people refer to is the fact that it was a number of it wasn't just a single person seeing the sighting. This was an entire group of children aged from six to twelve. Um, it was during the, their mid morning break at the aerial school. That's why we used to call it the aerial sighting, uh, oh, which is a yeah. makes more <laughs> it, sense. It just clicked for him. <laughs> which is oh, a yeah, private school, elementary yeah. school in the Harare province of Zimbabwe. Ooh, nice. So. That's that's why they call it the aerial phenomenon, or it's, it has a couple names. It's not because the mermaid saw it. Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, that's what this is about. Okay, no, <laughs> no, no talking crabs in this one. Unfortunately, oh, that's fucking lame. I know. <laughs> During their mid morning break, all of the adult faculty of the school were actually inside having a staff meeting, so none of them actually witnessed what the children reported seeing after the event. There were about probably around 200 children who were present at the time of the sighting. So 200 of them were outside on the school grounds. And then 62 of the children were reported to have seen something. See, I had read that with the 200, that included some uh, adults and teachers as well. Like that 200 number was including like faculty, staff. Well, so, there was there was okay. two hundred people there, but only six, yeah. of the sixty were just kids. All like, I think kids. there was yeah. a lady running a candy cart outside, but she didn't see it either. Like that was the only other adult that was outside. Right, she was yeah. the 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 lady you're referring to was running the snack cart kind of outside. I know Braden probably remembers like or maybe not Braden, but I remember working in places like in in so, in foreign schools, and it's like you have like these ladies that just run like kind of snack carts and stuff during the during the lunch times Dude, in, the, in awesome. the canteen areas. So she was one of the first adults to actually. Uh, 
you know, hear from the children about something they had seen. So somewhere <laughs> she between, wasn't having any of it. No, she's she was like, you just want to steal my candy children. <laughs> like, get the hell out of here. I'm not falling for this. They're all crying. What she heard from the children was that somewhere between one and several silver balls or objects uh, or a specifically some type of spacecraft is what some of the children described later appeared in the sky or darting about uh, somewhere towards the back area of the school grounds. Uh, it, some children say they actually saw it coming and floating in low and it landed in a small copse of trees just outside the school property. And then you had some children actually report that they saw somewhere between one and four men. Uh, some children described them as normal looking black men uh, and can, or some of them actually described seeing small grays, the, the, the descriptions that they had. And later they were asked to draw, actually draw what they had seen. Um, until one of encounter. them started moonwalking. <laughs> Quick Michael Jackson. I think, yeah, there was also some <laughs> reference to some similarities to Michael Jackson. And these beings were reported either standing atop the craft or beside it. And then actually uh, a couple of the children described it actually seeing and encountering one of these beings like very close encounter. <laughs> and there is some report that some of the children received telepathic communications from the alien or one of the beings that was out in front of the ship and that they didn't remember anything about this being speaking, but it gave them a very specific message or a very, uh, actually like a, a type of intent they felt coming from well, this. The being. other thing that sh struck me is like at, at this point in time, a lot of the kids described that like, they were they were scared and they were looking into this thing's eyes. They, they you know a lot of them described these big eyes, but they couldn't seemingly like look or run. They were like frozen in fear, but also like receiving this message, which makes me think that maybe they were into in some sort of trance Telepathy. on this thing. Some Professor X stuff going on. Well, this is a private school, isn't it? Yep. Do we know what type of private school? Could this be for the for the gifted? School no, for gifted a, youngsters. A private sure. school. Well, I don't. How do you know, Dan? <laughs> well, they were gifted, at least at least financially. I remember listening to one of the like the the lady that interviewed the teachers, and she saw like she said the kids looked like a snake. They were way they were all sprinting back into the building all together. And she's like, if we would have practiced a fire drill, they wouldn't have looked so uniform, right? So they did. They definitely did run away at some point. I think after after this thing leaves that's when they run and initially you know because this thing landed in the bushes um and from you know everything i looked into there was like an area of the school this was a little bit off limits to these kids because there was thorn bushes animals and stuff so it was like the kids they didn't want the kids going into this area well it's also africa so there's yeah also so things some that'll kill yeah. you <laughs> some that. kids some kids went you know this obviously i imagine the 60 went near and immediately some turned and booked it like some of the younger kids book were running for the hills right away the little andrews got the fuck out of yeah, the yeah smart ones and apparently some of them were saying that the initial ones that just ran right away they thought it was like a um a south african tokolosh tokoloshi oh, yes. or tokolosh yeah. um which are small little zombie poltergeists or gremlins 
created by a shamans who have offended someone. So they thought like these things were the you know the, that the stories they hear about his kids, these tokoloshi or the tokoloshi are taking the form of Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's um, come to, they've come to touch us. Why is he moonwalking oh. with a Pepsi? Easy, easy. Hey, this was this would have been around. When was the Pepsi accident? Ninety four, early nineties, early nineties. Either way, this happened in ninety four. This was ninety four. This this. No wonder nobody fucking heard about this story. This is right in the middle of the fucking white fucking Bronco OJ shit. Like oh. Of course, nobody heard about it this. This is sick. Yeah, nobody's like, I don't give a shit about this. I want to know is OJ, did he do it? Does the, the glove, glove don't fit? fit? Does the glove you fit? You must have quit. <laughs> yeah, now if, if you're not watching the live stream, what we'll kind of, there's a there's a PDF that I'll, actually, I'll put, put in the show notes, but it kind of shows like the school, the playground, and kind of where, because there's kind of multiple like landing sites according to the kids. It's kind of like a multiple, multi event. See that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's I guess the schools the school is up top on this. The schools. The schools the are top. The school. You got a play a playground and it looks like there's like paths running away from the playground and surrounding that's like grass and brush, so like thick, like you know, bramble. Right. And some of the kids actually ran over or they reported running over from the playground itself. So they ran from the playground, like noticing that something that was up, like there's like a, a number of kids were in a in a tizzy or in a commotion about when these things appeared. So some of them said they remembered running from the the playground to go see what everybody was was looking at. Yeah, so like so it says like yes, yeah, about 60 to the 200 kids. So some of the kids were down kind of on these paths and I I guess that would make sense why not every kid was kind of focused on the same spot. That, that when I first read I was like if they're all outside one one didn't more see, but I guess if, you know, this is a pretty big area when, if you think about like elementary schools that I'm trying to like, I thought about that, the same thing. And like uh, of all the elementary schools I went to as a kid, there was like multiple areas around the school. So it's like, if that thing would have landed on like, you know, a top field or lower field or like, you know what I mean? There was other areas where, you know, I wouldn't have seen because I was you know, playing what, what's a ball wall ball or whatever it's called? What's it? What's it called? Booty. Yeah. Booty. booty. That's yeah. right. Booty. Yeah. Booty or four <laughs> square. Booty. Fucking booty was four the square. Shit. Yeah, that's a good one, right? So there and like you know maybe it was up in the near the woods there, um, but to me I was like okay, well that makes sense. Like not every kid would because they're obviously spread out on this field and in this area, the playground. So only the ones that are nearby kind of see it or notice it. Right. So the first the first real indication that you had uh, that the children's encounter that they saw something they seriously believed that they had they had seen something uh was that they returned all the class and they were visibly upset like freaked out about what was going on they were all you know trying to tell their teachers about what they had saw described what they had seen or a bunch of other kids had, had said that they had seen and like most of the teachers kind of wrote it off as just as i know as a teacher you would you'd be like okay we we got stuff we got to do today <laughs> We don't got time to talk about, you know, how four Michael Jacksons jumped out <laughs> and uh, yeah. were moonwalking across there. Uh, so, you know, yeah. so. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and assume these teachers aren't overly concerned to just let what fucking at least. So there's 200 kids in the school and one candy lady just like, yeah, kids, fuck off. Do your thing. Have fun. Watch out for the lions. Not a big deal. Don't pet them. <laughs> 
We're going to have a fucking meeting, which means we're probably having drinks in the fucking teacher's lounge. Don't bug us. <laughs> Don't knock on the fucking door. Hey, man. Do your thing. Hey, being a teacher is fucking hard. And the last thing I would want to do in that 15-minute break is go out and watch the kids. I'm like, I hope some go missing. Well, you got to have some. Right? There should be as new now supervisors, <laughs> right? You've got those ladies wearing the fucking uh, high-vis vests walking around like somebody's mom, you know, <laughs> volunteers. There was there was There's one something. our high school, a little segue, who everyone in our school called her Mad Dog. I remember Mad Dog. Like, legit, we called her Mad Dog to her face. <laughs> and we just, she was Mad Dog. And uh, so we always, she was like... Uh, she probably loved it. She probably lived for that shit. Oh, she was grumpy. She was a grumpy uh, supervisor oh, yeah. out of high school. But that's my little segue. Mad Dog. Hope you're doing good, Mad Dog. Some of the some of the kids actually reported that they didn't really feel like the full impact of what had occurred or they didn't really realize the significance of what they had seen. You know, some of them were still kind of in the stages of just, you know, excitement and whatever until they got home and until they got home, um, you know, and started telling their parents and the parents realizing that their children were visibly upset about something they had seen. They started calling on the school and asking them why their kids were so upset. What had they seen and what had happened? So this got the teachers up into excited or about what was going on. And so now the teachers started to kind of freak out as well. And then, you know, in order to either placate the parents or in an effort to kind of figure out what had gone on, it somehow got out to a local UFO expert named Cynthia Hind, who was invited to actually come and speak with everyone, the teachers and the students about what had happened. Could you imagine the parents? Being like, okay, so first of all, you got some weirdo like looking Michael Jackson dudes hanging out the fucking playground offering kids candy, and there's no parents out there watching, taking care of my fucking kids. I'd be losing it too. Now, yeah, it's <laughs> that's yeah. fucking that's bullshit. How many? What are the grades? This is in elementary school, right? So let's say what like six to twelve. Five, so like yeah, grade six one, years one to what's that? Six to one 12, to five. They said, well, the kids were like six to twelve. That's what so they grade one that's to five. Crazy ish. One I to couldn't six. imagine the, the shit we used to get up to, man. Yeah, no, no supervisors <laughs> oh, walking yeah. around busting your ass like that <laughs> would be chaos. Yeah, it'd be pandemonium. Absolutely. So Hind, who has since passed away uh, in 2000, uh, had publicly announced her experiences with otherworldly beatings. So she had had experiences with UFOs and um, uh, in the past, and she kind of became uh, dedicated to, you know, after her experiences to investigating UFO sightings in Africa, where she lived on the African continent in the area that she was lived. So uh, Harare and Ariel, like the Ariel school were not that far from her. So she was, you know, happy to kind of, uh, when the story actually took to the, um, I think it actually got picked up by the BBC, uh, news service in the area. And yeah, they, it was ZBC. ZBC. <laughs> it was. So, yeah. Right. And then, um, when they what got a hold of it, I think I it felt was, like that was a sarcastic. Leech? Yeah. Right. No, I, I believe you. I just remember BBC. If it said BC, then yeah. I didn't believe you, but I'll believe you now. And I think Tim Leach was the main correspondent on it. And Tim Leach uh, put out a uh, like a, a call, mainly anybody who had experience in the area or who had seen anything 
it had information on a UFO. And so she was happy to kind of call in and say she would lend her experience to the situation and go out there and interview uh, some of the children about the ones who had seen something. So and she Tim got Leach, out there. Tim yeah. Leach is like a legitimate fucking journalist, right? Yes. Like dudes went and like covered actual like war zones and shit like that. Like this isn't like they're bringing out the big guns for this. Yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, it was, it was legitimate news. It was something that happened in Zimbabwe and it made a, I mean, uh, a splash. To make, so so stop reporting on OJ for a second to fucking do something else. It's well, a big and deal. let's, <laughs> I think this story definitely has an air when you start to hear it about, because there's so many kids involved saying this, that you're like, immediately you're kind of like, well, I should be able to get to the bottom of this fairly quickly because it's children. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, I should be able to break out with some of these hooligans who are trying to make a, make a funny of everyone here. Right. And I go ahead. Oh, well, that's, that's all I was going to say. Oh. And I think the, uh, the story got a bit of a boost or, um, you know, kind of took, was able to take a lot of notice because it was right on the heels of a, there, there was a very large and very, or at least a very prominent meteor shower that had taken place two days before the children had, had their encounter. And like it, it, it almost kicked off Zimbabwe's own little UFO mania because you had flat. people calling in and reporting different, different reports. Like there were UFO, there were actually UFO reports of people seeing like certain things that, you know, uh, large meteors, fireballs traveling through the sky and so a lot of them like ufo was on the mind it was in the zeitgeist so there was i was reading something that they said that three nights before uh this incident uh two airline pilots logged reports stating that they saw an orange glowing orb outside their left wing and this was over zimbabwe Right. And then there was, I think there was another report of some other people seeing some type of, or it might've actually been one of the children who reported that they had sighted some type of cigar shaped yep. uh, object in the air uh, on their way to school. Yeah. Just like dr there's driving in like a pit, driving in a pickup oh, and they've seen a cigar shaped yeah, UFO just on the horizon. So like multiple events leading up just before this mass sighting at the schoolyard. So Hind goes in and she interviews uh, a number of the children and ends up like publishing some of the testimonies in her kind of newsletter uh, of the day. And uh, she she wrote on kind of like the context of the situation. So Ariel School itself represents a large cross section of the actual like the back then in the 90s. Uh, it was a it, it's changed. The, the demographics have, have changed and shifted a lot since then, uh, kind of reading up on that area uh, for this case file. But during that time, you had uh, the children, the students there, you had actual uh black African children there from several different tribes from around the area. You had um, a, a, a cross section of children who were a, a mix of both black and white families. You had some Indian children whose grandparents were from India. You had uh, like white, specifically white children. A lot of them are in the interviews who are just Zimbabwean born or whose parents had been um, from South Africa or Britain and had moved there since. So you had a very diverse background of children coming in with a lot of different uh, like like a different lot of different cultural 
yeah. uh, references for them, like to, to kind mm-hmm. of think. So that's where you get some of the kids believe that these were the Tokoloshis, Tokoloshas, like you get that. Um, some of the children were, when they saw this, they recognized when they were drawing their pictures, they draw pictures very representative of your typical UFO, like your very disc. So when they were asked to illustrate things that they had seen, like it was very like the disc, the saucer shape with the raised bubble in the middle, like a lot of children drew that kind of uh, that kind of representation of what they saw. Yeah, here's and, here's two drawings, two separate kind of like one's like more like a spaceship, like rocket style, and one's more of that standard uh, disc shape. So did you slip one of your drawings in there? Those are actually both my drawings. <laughs> I'm just trying. <laughs> I'm trying. I got a new side project: uh, stick figure UFOs. <laughs> Shitty drawings by Zell. Now the thing that I had no read, Zell I had- has the Zell has the 100 Crayola box. So he's gonna oh, think he's gonna with the fucking sharpener on the bottom. Oh, of you it? know yeah. it. Oh yeah. fuck! Um, of course no. he does. Of the thing I had read about this is that this area and these the kids of the school it wasn't it wasn't like the most wealthy area. And at the time, it's not like these kids had wide access to like a lot of UFO lore. And you know, it wouldn't it's like this kind of four. Yeah, but it, it's you know, not, you, I, you, these kids know who fucking Marvin the Martian is. This is Zimbabwe, right? It's not, it's not. It doesn't uh, matter. It's still, they still have Looney Tunes. They know who fucking Marvin the Martian is, or they've seen Flintstones. They know who fucking the Great Kazoo is. I'm saying they've seen aliens. Not all of them have. There's there's not a lot of money here, right? So not a lot of The majority of them have have seen representation of an alien saucer by 1994. Whether it be a magazine, a movie, an ad, probably uh, something in a grocery store. Probably when they just go to the theater in Zimbabwe in 94. You don't think there's (laughs) theaters in Zimbabwe? Well, it was like this group of kids perhaps probably did because these were like this was a private school. It was probably not super cheap. So not like just any any family could send their children here. And yeah, like Zell's on the right track because uh, a lot of uh, kind of one of the points of contention that people have with this case file is that um, Hind, when she does her kind of write up and, and lends her her view to, on the uh, on the sighting, she kind of cites that uh, that these children don't have a lot of experience with UFOs. So uh, the, the fact that they saw these things and that they, they drew these things, how would they possibly be exposed to some of these? How would they know these unless it's something that they had seen? Um, and like like Braden's uh, line of reasoning where it is. Uh, saying that, oh, they're from a kind of out, out in a, like when she talks about it, she kind of makes it seem like this is some rural area, like where the school is situated. It's like the suburbs of Harare, like the, the, the city that it's near itself. Like it's, it's not that far from a metropolitan, like an actual metropolitan city. Like it's, it's one of the larger cities, I believe in, in Zimbabwe. And most of these kids, like they had T, like they have TVs, they have rate at least they at least have radios, like and so you know maybe some of the kids didn't necessarily have the full, uh, like the full cultural reference as some of the kids because some of the kids in their interviews, one of them definitely says like it looked like a UFO, and like one of the other one of the other students that they're interviewing goes yeah look a lot of the kids were saying it looked like a UFO and like. Well, the other kids are saying it looked like UFO. He's like, you know what a UFO is? Like, yeah, I know what a UFO is. Well, here's the thing. Was the interviews not done after they had the UFO person come and talk about their experience? Uh, th- the ones that are on video, like the 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 video that you 
that you picked up, I think some of those interviews refer from them like a year later because yeah. that's when they brought in um, like Hind wasn't the only person who interviewed these children because eventually yeah. they, they brought, brought in some in, big guns. They brought in the big gun, uh, Dr. John E. Mack, right? Johnny Mack. Johnny Pulitzer, Mack. Pulitzer Prize winning author. Uh, he wrote a, uh, a study of Lawrence of Arabia, which is a great movie if nobody's seen yeah, it. Unreal movie. Watch it. Um, a lot of Passport to the co Cosmos, The Believer. Um, he's got a couple other good UFO books and abduction books. I think there's one called Abduction. Yeah, there he was is, a tenured yeah. professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. So he was a Harvard professor uh, at the time. And he had had experiences in his life which had led him uh, to develop an interest in the alien abduction phenomenon. Uh, he began researching in the early 90s and he had written a number of books that Braden already mentioned about the actual phenomenon itself. And his his stance seemed to be or summed up uh, seemed to be that it might not. Something is going on, whether or not these people are actually being abducted by extraterrestrials is still kind of he's still kind of up for debate. But he's like something is going on here. Whether it's physical, extra dimensional, there's still room to hypothesize, and it 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 brooks farther study. That's his. That was his kind of stance on the whole thing. So he was able to get, uh, you know, Hein got in contact with him somehow, and he brought you know brought him in to come in and interview these children, use his experiences, which he had a long experience with interviewing people with. Um, I think uh, some of his specialties were interviewing. Uh, I think it was like he was like a suicide. I think uh, kind of psychiatrist, kind of psychiatrist, dude. and things like psychotherapy and things like that. So he she was going to come in, interview these children about what they had seen, and try to you know glean more information about uh, whether or not these children had actually really seen something. And you know he came in, and there are videos of him. They took videos of his interviews uh with many of these children and you see him talking to these children and and they give him answers about what they saw so i don't know necessarily do we want to talk about the like the interviews or do we want to talk about the well let's just before we take a beer break here let's uh let's we kind of skipped over it that hind actually got soil samples taken uh Oh yeah, from and then analyze free of charge from the University of Zimbabwe. They like look for a bunch of different like anomalies, and they did find some stuff that are like, oh, this kind of seems weird, but nothing really out of the ordinary. So we just kind of we kind of jumped over that. So I just want to quickly push that in. So they right. did actually think, take some yeah. soil samples, and because they you know, they kind of took they took it serious. They're like, all right, these mm -hmm. kids probably seen they seen something enough to be like, we seen something now. We'll get to maybe like what they actually. Can you in the elaborate end, why? Like what? What was so nothing came back? But what was weird about it? I, they it didn't it, really it's from say. Heinz, in Heinz newsletter that she printed out, she mentioned that they had there were some anomalies in the soil samples, but not enough to be like, yeah, that's weird, but not weird enough to be. So you they know, didn't strength. elaborate it's, on it more than no, that. No, they said they were going to send them out for reanalysis at another facility. They think they were going to send them to like a, a mining and and dig, like excavation, like a, a 
a very like a specialized yeah. uh, institute to get it redone. But then there's nothing. They, I don't think they heard anything back. From Which that is one. weird because you think like any anomaly would be like, well, this is fucking this is big enough to like even just show a little evidence that something right. here is a little bit bizarre. But like, I think it was like, oh, like this is that. like there's higher level of like nitrates. It's not like radiation or something like, you know, particular like particulates in there that are not supposed to be there. It was just kind of stuff that's like this is unusual, but not unusual enough to be like, huh, that's I really mean, fucking weird. <laughs> anything abnormal, though, would be like, you know, this points to the fact that there's 60 people here that witness something and there's a small irregularity like this should be important. Well, I, I read I read one random article and they're like okay the anomalies could have been like because there was roads constructed so it could have been as something as simple as like someone spilled like there's oil spilled there a long time ago right it wasn't just yeah. soil there was like something some other particulate in the sample but then yeah it was no and it was never really investigated further so it wasn't radioactive or it's too bad yeah it wasn't enough to kind of set off any any like alarm bells where people are like we really need to get this checked out it was more like this is kind of weird but not super 60 witnesses weird. weren't enough <laughs> I guess not. But before we get uh, a little deeper into the case, we're going to take a break, grab a beer. We'll be right back. We're back. Talk about Johnny Mac. Pulitzer Prize winning author uh, who came in to interview a lot of these children uh, across the throughout the school. So the number of children that he interviewed, I don't think there's a exact number because I don't think there was a, a an official write-up of his interviews with, with the children. You do have video uh, documentation of some of the interviews that he had with the children and probably some of the ones that are probably the most uh, poignant. And uh, so he, the children that could remember the most, uh, he, he ends up talking to and asking them a lot of questions about what they had actually seen. Um, Mac met with these children to give, to lend some context to the situation is that he met with these students about two months after the event had occurred and there there's a little bit of difference between his like hind got there as soon as she could um and did her interviews and then mac got there and did his and there's like there's a tiny little bits of difference between the two interviews that you could kind of get into and kind of be like well i'm not really sure um the interview techniques that they both used are, are differ, I think, because Hind did a lot of her interviews with groups of children. Right. Um, had like in groups of like three or four, I believe. And then you had Mac who conducted some of his interviews like one on one. Which which makes more sense because like, you know, like you wouldn't interview a couple suspects together because then if one is telling a narrative, you know, that could bleed into the other ones. So it would make more sense to take them separately. So it's like, for me, Johnny Mac had, you know, he was fighting an uphill battle because of the previous interviews where these kids were, you know, interviewed together and obviously we're talking about it. It's harder to get, you know, get them isolated and get what each one actually saw and what they, you know, what they actually saw and versus what they heard, you know. Yep. That's interesting that they were interviewed together first because it's like the damage could have already been done, right? Like they could have already overheard basically like a big telephone game, right? Right. Yeah. Like they were sitting in the same room listening to that story and the kid's like, oh, well, yeah, well, I probably saw that too. Like I remember, I remember right a couple houses down from my school, somebody said that there's a witch that lived there. And one night we saw the witch sitting at a picnic table, which 
was a fucking umbrella, but whatever. <laughs> we all thought we saw a witch. And then, you know, and that shit spread through the school. And then like two weeks later, everybody thought a fucking witch lived two houses down from the school. <laughs> right? Did You know, like it's... It does it's, happen. Yeah. Right? Especially with kids. And there, there's some... Some of the stuff that bothered me about some of the interviews, uh, conduct, like conducting the interviews of, of this kind of, uh, you know, and these types of subjects, I would think that, yeah, you definitely would want to interview the kids more one-on-one. So like John, Matt, and like Dr. Mack took the approach that I would think like the standard academic approach or, you know, the more, um, uh, like the more legitimate approach, like interviewing them one-on-one and trying to get them to, you know, get their stories straight and how you could do it. When I was watching Hind in the videos, uh, when she was, I think that was Hind, I believe, uh, who interviewed the children. She had them in like a big group. Like she took them out like by the class and they were all outside and she's interviewing them like and asking them like how they felt, you know, who, who here felt scared. And then, you know, see a couple kids raise their hand and then everybody raises their hand. Right. So it's kind of like, the, you know, the kids kind of look around, you, you kind of see them. You, you know, want to fit they, in, right? Right. They look around to kind of like gauge what the what the general sentiment is. And then you see the kid like other kids raise their hand and things like that. One thing that I found interesting is that in in Heinz publish like the her her newsletter that she published, she didn't really mention the message that some of these children had felt that they had received from these these beings, like ones who had gotten close enough and who had seen these uh, these creatures uh, that had come either out of the ship or on top of the ship or in front of the ship, mm. depending on which one you t- their placement is a little bit uh, in question about where they ne- where they were and what they were wearing, <laughs> like what what whether they had hair or not. That was the kind of thing. Like one of the kids, one of the kids said that the this is a thing that would be like. Okay, you can't tell me that these kids aren't part of like know what pop culture is because one of the kids refers to the hairstyle of one of the uh, one of the you know one of the beans that was out in front of this this ship as he looked like a hippie, looked like a hippie. (laughs) Yeah, he's like he had he had hair not not curly not curly like you know he pointed at one of the other students um, who's obviously Native African. And like he's he had hair more like mine, but long, you know, off the back. And he's like, you know, he looked like a hippie. Long, like long straight said. hair. Yeah. Yeah. He said he looked like a hippie. And I was when like, others like a hippie or a time traveler that's been traveling for a long time and his hair's grown out. <laughs> other kids, like when they were asked, like how t- like how tall were they? Uh, some said like six as high, as tall as sixth graders. And then some were like my size. So as, as tall as me. Yeah. Andrew yeah. Sight. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> There are there. I mean, that's kind of one of the things I think Hein mentions in her her report and her uh, summation of the case is where she where there are tiny differences and discrepancies. Uh, she you know she chalks that up to you know the, the cultural viewpoints of of the different children, the cultural backgrounds of each of the children that that vary widely. Um, but. She says like the the general, like some of the similarities can't be ignored where it's right. that, you know, some of these kids said that these these beings resembled what were essentially grays. And and a couple of the interviews, you have one or two children uh, talking about the uh, the unusual eyes that these creatures possessed. And it was like, you know, when they were 
asked to describe what they look like. They kind of move their hands in a big, large, elongated shape, you know, like they're wearing fucking Ray-Ban wraparounds yeah. Head and like, like this. up and to the back. Head like know? this, eyes like this, they kind of said like. Right. So yeah, there's a few different kids that said yeah. that. And you had kids who were drawing, you know, they they asked them while they were filming to draw what they had seen. You had a couple of kids drawing out what looked like your typical gray, uh, you know, the large head with the the uh, oversized black eyes. And, um, you know, one of the kids who was drawing that picture, uh, he said that, you know, he's like, oh, you know, Mac is, is talking to them, having the kid draw, um, I assume, just to like get the kid to relax and, and kind of you know, naturally answer questions as best they can and being like, okay, does he have a, um, you know, he draws the eyes, like he draws the eyes, spends a little time drawing these, these big eyes, these oversized eyes and like, but he leaves like a spot in the middle and he's like, oh, did he, you know, did he have pupils in his eyes? He's like, no, no, he had like a white spot here on both eyes. So, I mean, mm. you could maybe chalk it up to like a reflection maybe, um, whether it's, uh, you know, we've talked about it before, whether the grays are like, maybe it's actually like a spacesuit of some type and those are, you know, coverings mm -hmm. or something like that. Right. Uh, so it could be something like that. The, uh, but, but that's one of the, the parts that a lot of the UFO uh, investigators kind of emphasize is that a lot of these kids described grays and like, you know, how many of them would have, seen like what a what a gray was and i kind of i you know something that stood out to me during the the videos is like i you know i mentioned it before is that kids already knew what a ufo was and a lot of kids they said like the the ones who had first saw it or some of the some ones that had first saw it they're like it looked like a ufo and then some of the kids are kind of like our second hand they're like oh no like i knew something was going on when they came to us and they said it looked like a ufo and so it's like they already think that it's a UFO, you know, so they only interview a number of kids. They don't have all, you know, of the 60 kids that are reported to have seen this thing, uh, at least in the video that we watched. Um, there's not that there's not that many that they seem to talk to. I mean, they talk to those ones who have the best uh, recollection or, you know, perhaps the most impactful uh, story they think to tell. About it the interesting thing, though, too, is like you said, like most of these kids already knew what UFOs were. They knew what aliens were. But, you know, like I'm trying to rack my brain right now and like think of the first the first thing, like as far as representation of a typical like alien gray in pop culture. And like what, what what's the first one that pops in my head? And honestly, it's fucking Roger from American Dad. <laughs> like 1994, man, if you would ask me what an alien was in 1994, I'd been like, oh, it's a jacked mouse with a robot arm. And he's coming from fucking Mars yeah. and he rides a motorcycle. Right. Yeah. I don't right? know like, what I would have thought. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I can't think of, or like, you know, like the great kazoo, all the tip shit. Like I can't think back to my first representation of an actual like alien gray or something that somewhat resembles that maybe ET. Mm -hmm. Right. But yeah. ET scared the shit out of me. So I blocked it out of my mind for the most part, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of these kids, you're not um, of the ones who said that they saw these beings. Um, the ones who uh, there's there's one or two girls that they interview, and they talk to him about actually looking at one of these, like making direct eye contact and having the feeling of being noticed by this alien. One of them, both of them, both of them report um, 
being scared, like feeling fear. They were scared because they didn't know what this thing was. They'd never seen anything like it before. Um, one of them said that she could feel some type of uh, like an impression that this this being wanted to take her at some point during the encounter. As she, that's how she, uh, when Mac was interviewing, asking her, like, why did you feel scared? Um, what did, you, you know, she felt like this thing, she could tell by the way it was looking at her that it wanted to take her or she felt like it wanted to take her. It didn't. Felt ominous. Um, yeah, felt this ominous feeling of fear. Um, one of the other girls reported, like, feeling when she got home, she felt a, a terrible feeling uh, come over her uh, when she was at home. And she said that she felt that this some sort of impression or communication was exchanged and that this being was giving a message of uh, it, you know, to kind of sum it up that the the world was in danger. She kind of gave them this environmental uh, ecological warning about taking you know the the gist of it being that humans aren't taking good enough care of the planet that they aren't uh that that they need to change their ways in order to um maintain some sort of balance on the planet you know within the planet or on the planet now when they say this alien had a hair was it green hair and like a mullet <laughs> by chance was it, did it give them rings no it didn't give them no. it didn't tell them the power is yours Okay, that's fair. Uh, they didn't. They, I don't remember them saying that. So no. <laughs> maybe I'm. It's interesting it. though. Like that's a common theme. That like how many times have we seen that? They usually come down and warn them, warn us that you know we're ruining the planet, or the pets. You know they come down and say that we're gonna you know blow up our own planet. They're hovering around nuclear war bases, that type of shit. Yep. Right. Like it's it's interesting because it because when I heard that immediately in my brain I'm like it's okay so you're coming with this this grave warning to say like you know, you, you know, the world is in danger. You need to change the way this and that. It's like, so why are they showing up at a fucking schoolhouse with a bunch of kids to warn them? Right. If we have all this technology to come down to this school or to come down to this planet. Right. And then which started spinning, my brain starts spinning out of control. And I'm like, what, what if this is like a fucking John Connor incident? Oh, right. Like what if they're coming to doubt like some Skynet shit or like one of these kids is you become a fucking mogul and is going to destroy the planet. We got to talk to them and we got to fix this shit now. The other thing, the other thing that I thought I was on the kind of the same wavelength as you, because at one point, uh, one of the, one of the kids says like their, their message that they received was that the take where we were going with technology is dangerous. Hmm. And if we keep like it's dangerous, and I went, I right away. First off, actually, first off, I went, "Fuck this guy! He just flew in a fucking craft, and he's talking to you with his mind. And he's going to tell you technology is dangerous. Like, <laughs> <laughs> fuck <laughs> off, buddy! <laughs> I want a flying craft." And then, uh, but then I, th- I was thinking some Skynet shit. Then I, I not so much John Connors, but I was thinking some sort of butterfly effect, where it's like, and then I went even a little further, where I was like, maybe these things. You know, to bring it back to Dr. Mike Masters and what his theory that mm-hmm. aliens are just time traveling versions of us from the future, that they're they've gone back specifically to a schoolyard because they're just it's some sort of butterfly effect that they're trying to to try to fix something, something right, and that's why they're kids. So maybe 
not necessarily there's a kid there that's going to become a billionaire and change things, but maybe telling those school children they through whatever knowledge they have from the future they think is going to cause a big enough butterfly effect to get to the right people. It's interesting that like it's like if you have that technology, like we have we have fucking time travel, all this like you know, wouldn't you could you could probably help a little bit more, wouldn't you think? Like you could actually like implement some change or do some things. But maybe you destroy right? your timeline in the future if you come back and you interfere too much. Yeah, but if the planet's going to be doomed anyways, then that's a good you know, point. Like it's worth a try. But like the other thing I was thinking about too, it's like maybe maybe these people, you know, maybe this race, maybe they're only here to observe us. And then you have this random rogue group of like humanitarian aliens, you know, that, that just, you know, they're conservationists maybe, right? They're, and they're coming and they're like sneaking down. That's why it's these quick fucking trips to come down. It's like, we don't know who we're going to talk to, but we're going to do our best. We're going to stop down and be like, you guys are fucking everything up. Stop. <laughs> You're fucking ruining everything. We want you guys to be okay. Save the animals, save these walking monkey things and get the fuck out. Yeah. It makes sense. We've talked about it before. Like say like just, just planet earth itself is such a rare planet that can harbor life. Like it, like intelligent life, like complex life. And so maybe there's only, a, you know, there's only a real handful of them in the galaxy, let's say. And they're kind of watching us and they don't want to interfere because maybe maybe brains have some type of butterfly effect or they're from the future or from a different dimension. But they just know they're like, all right, there's only a few of these. Uh, these guys are on the total wrong path. If we uh, get, get a hold of enough young minds, maybe it'll be one person who can, you know, the next Elon Musk, but instead of, you know, electric cars, it's some type of carbon capture or some type of massive technology that could like alter the course of our planet. I don't know. It's now the other thing I thought maybe is that, you know, I was spinning the wheels of maybe it's some multiverse thing. So it's uh, their, their version of earth is gone. Right. And however they've traveled with like, they, maybe they think they're in the past from their version of earth, but really it's, it's not, it's a completely different, Scenarios. So they go to that school because there is someone there at that school that in their universe makes a profound difference. But maybe that's not this like case for ours because we're on a completely different timeline. Probably pretty similar to theirs where we destroy the earth and have a rogue <laughs> AI melting everyone. But, you know, a little different. Just a bit. Yeah, I don't know. Like the headmaster, oh shit, what was his name? Do you remember the headmaster's name? Mr. Trudgeable. <laughs> Trudgeable. Uh, <laughs> Colin Mackey. He's quoted as saying, I feel sure the children saw something. I don't believe or disbelieve, but they definitely saw something. I agree that it could- Absolutely. I agree that it could be something natural with which we are not familiar, but it was certainly seen by the children. Just the sheer amount of children who- ran back into the school. They went home. They told their parents, we've seen something crazy. The parents were concerned enough to call the school and be like, what did you fucking do to our children? They're all freaking out here. Like something happened. So, and there's like, I've watched there's, you can find videos on YouTube of the actual, some of the interviews and them talking with kids. And if it's to believe that this is a giant elaborate ruse made up by all these kids. These kids are some of the best actors you've ever seen in your entire life. Listening to them hear about it and just the, like, I just, I don't detect any deception with them. 
And I'm not saying that like there's some kids are manipulative and they're good liars, but not all of them. Nope. And like some you can tell and every single one of those kids that I watch seem genuine, like seem genuinely freaked out. And it gives me shivers when I watch because I go after like when I on paper, when I read this case, I kind of chalk it up as to like, oh, this is weird. This is a weird thing. But when I pair it with like watching those kids talk about it, I go like, oh, I believe these kids. Why I believe them even more is that to this day, none have come back and recounted their statement. And there's there's interviews with um, some of the kids as adults. And they're yep. still saying they still say that, like, no, I saw something. Something gave me a message. And and to have all these kids, because I'm saying I'm, what I'm saying is even if it was even if the rarity where you got 62 kids on the schoolyard of different ages, you're like, all right, guys, we're going to play this fucking huge ass prank. You know, you got grade sixes mingling with grade oneers and shit like sh- that shit doesn't happen. First off. Yeah, there's a class system. You're not right, there's a the class. System. You know what I mean? Like candies. right away. I'm like, OK, well, that doesn't make any sense. Secondly, I'm like, so say if that happens, say if that happens and you get all these 62 kids to go in, they go all in and none of them break. As adults, you think one of them would come back and be like, we all fucking sat in the fucking field a week before we planned it. Like, no, it was a joke. Like none of them, like no one's come forward from that group and has said we made it up. They all still... Like that one little girl that the interview, she looked maybe she looked like she was maybe eight years old, eight or nine years old. And they're like, so like, you know, what did these aliens tell you? They're like, well, they didn't tell us anything. But, you know, but I thought about, you know, I thought that maybe we need to start being better to our planet and, you know, so on and so so forth. Then he's like, well, how did you how did like, did you have those feelings ever before you had this encounter? She's like, no, of course not. She's nine years old. (laughs) What yeah. kind of nine-year-old thinks that shit? It's I mean, 94. Other than Greta Thunberg they, I mean, or whatever. They teach, like, that, they teach that stuff in school. No, like, Dan. Like, now no. They do. Dan, I would have been about the same fucking age. We are the same age as right? these kids, bro. Yep. Right? I, there's, I'm telling you, I knew no, nothing about the dangers of technology or... Well, uh, I think that just speaks to your education then. <laughs> 94, Dan. Dude, in 1994? Come on. I was like seven years old. <laughs> they just they I'm had kidding. finally discovered that climate change was a bad thing like not long no, before but not, this. not climate change but the fact that like pollution recycling that shit's been around since like the 70s oh yeah the, yeah the reduce. yeah but she's she's not sitting there looking at the interview being like re- reuse yeah. reduce and recycle no, like but he she's does, no she's the, i was bothered by the this way little girl's having an existential <laughs> crisis at fucking eight like, I was a little bit bothered by the way that he asked some of those questions. Like some of the ways that he answered, like he asked the questions were a little bit seemed to be a little bit leading about what he said. And I think not not him per se, but I think some of the uh, some of the ways that people worded the the interviews and what some of the kids uh, reported seeing and like the what they felt, I think is kind of overblown a little bit because I, I found a little bit interesting that in Heinz initial interviews, which were earlier than Max, none of the children, and it's not, it's not written up in her thing. If you go back, it's, there's no mention of communication or any type of thing, uh, uh, going on between the, like the beans, uh, during the encounter or after the encounter beans, beans, yes, the beans it's, now Dan, beans? to counter your point, I'll just say this, that like, in in the in the courts and stuff, if there's ever like a crime where a child has to testify, a lot of the times 
you know, where whereas like you and I are adults, where they like lawyers can't ask leading questions to get an objection. That kind of stuff is loot pretty loose for kids, and you, they do ask leading questions to kids because one, most of the time the kids aren't going to lie because they're scared, and if they are lying, usually you can tell because very quickly by asking them lead questions, you can start to like confuse them if the story's made up. And so they do ask children leading questions, it, like even in the court of law, just because kids aren't that deceptive. Like right. they're not and as I would deceptive also say that's a completely different setting than from like a thing about asking them about who would have thought we got thing. fucking Matlock like, on the a podcast. Little bit. It's, it, dun, dun, that was just dun, the way dun, that he dun, was dun, asking dun, some dun, of the dun, questions dun, where he was like asking them like very like, did you feel, did you feel sad? Did you not just like, how did you feel? He gives them, he kind of gives them, like he offers That's them. Leading like, questions. I, I will say this, Dan, I will say this. Under pressure, under pressure, if in in a, in a setting where a kid's nervous, if you ask, how do you feel? They say, I don't know. That's what they say. They say, I don't know. Always. So that's why you go, were you happy? Brady's got a lot of experience in this. Yeah. Listen. Do you want candy? No, hey. you don't know? What do you mean? Just come in the van. It's fine. Yeah. It's Every, all good. Yeah. Easy. You scared? Easy. You scared? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it, but so it's like those questions are asked. That you you They do lead questions. I took I just, a law yeah, course in college, them, Dan. Like, did you feel scared? They don't give them like, a, they don't give them like a spectrum. Like they just like, did you feel scared? And it's like, yes. It's like, well, okay. <laughs> How scared I, it's just did the way you some feel? Of the, it, I have I have objections with some of the, the way the methodology was applied, but I can't really fault it. And the it judge would have John, said like overruled said, because it's right. it's kids. Well, I'm also saying that, yes, but also, you know, to your point earlier, John Mack was kind of working. Uh, he didn't have much to work with because this is two months after the fact. Yeah. Uh, these kids had these, <clears throat> these encounters. So anything that's already there, the kids have already gotten their, their story straight or they've had their... Uh, their experience of whatever it was, if if it was, you know, some type of, uh, you would have broke one. You would have broke one of the kids. Not when it's and been they, too much. And they and didn't interview that one. It. Like they mutually they pick and choose. Like it's just yeah, kind of one of the parents maybe. would like one of the kids would have told one of the parents like this gets this almost gets too big for me for it not to be real. Like because it's like <laughs> then the parents are like the like all the parents they if it's a ruse if it's a ruse. And you know what I mean? One of the kids goes home and is like, is it a ruse? They're, they're like, they're lying to their parents now as well. Like not one kid has gone and be like, no, we made it up. And then if that kid told those parents, that parent would tell everyone. They'd be like, well, it's also like fucking made it up. that we know of. Like, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where you had, you had 60 kids, but in that video that we have, is the only real like evidence that we have of the interviews. Like I said, I would have liked to see, you know, John Mack is a, John Mack is an academic. I would have liked to see a, you know, an actual like academic write up of this, like the interviews that he had, like transcripts of the interviews. I would have loved to have that on hand, but couldn't find it. Um, that would have helped a lot. And I feel like that that's something that should have been provided if it was really, if he was approaching it with, real academic interest and it didn't happen or seem to, I don't, you know, none of that stuff's readily available. And so it's hard to be like, okay, those kids that you interviewed and in that, you know, 30 minute video that we watched, is that all of them? They said 60 kids, they had 60 kids that saw it, but you also had a video, you know, in that video, you had segments where they were interviewing all the kids in a group and you're like, who saw the UFO? And like 10 of them, you know, the whole 
group that they had just raised their hand, but not all at the same time. Someone kind of look around and be like, oh, well, uh, did you feel this? Yes. And you have kids like answering in chorus. And I'm like, that's not how you. Someone could people, someone but. could make this into a movie. You had to leave out the kids that were fucking drooling and stuff like. No, <laughs> yeah. Like kids who aren't. Pe- you know, kids, kids want to get the, they make it the snack time, man. Like you're, you're yeah. cutting into my snack time. My Let's recess. Like I don't want to get the F out of here. Yeah. Let's get into final thoughts. Well, here. just before so, Brady just mentioned, are, mentioned movies. I just wanted to give a quick uh, mention. So well, we talked about how these, some of these kids were interviewed as adults and it's actually called the phenomenon came out last year. And if you go, it's uh, right at the, like the end of the video. And they actually claim this because this is a series of a bunch of events. They got Rendlesham. They got all these other events we've talked about. And at the end of the movie, they use this one as one of the main pieces of like, ufology in this video. It's called the phenomenon this 2020. Case. And also in preparing for this case, we were trying to reach out. His name is... Uh, shit, where is it? Randall Nickerson. He's been. Tr- is this a he, guy? He came on Rogan, right? Uh, yeah, he was on Rogan. Yeah, was he? He was there with. Uh, they were. They, anyways, they've been working on this. He's been working on this movie for years. Like he went. He went and investigated this whole thing, and he has this thing. He couldn't come on because he has an NDA right now because the movie's in pre, like post production. Production, uh, but when it does come out. Maybe we can bring him back on because he is going to be the leading researcher. He spent the most time, I think, of anyone on this topic. So no, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, fo- we'll follow up sometime in the future here when we can. Awesome. Uh, final thoughts. I'll give my quick ones. I 100% think these kids seen something. Just the sheer amount of, you know, like the fear when they went home, told their parents, like we've seen something, the, them running back to the schoolyard. I just like, it seems like a weird place, like honestly, for a UFO to like kind of like creep in, land, they get out. But maybe it was. We talked about those, those, you know, those theories of, you know, different dimensions or, you know, some type of, they're trying to just incept an idea into humanity and like they don't want to inf- interfere too much perhaps. But I think 100% the kids seen something because years later, interviewed again, no one's changed their story. I can't say it's aliens for sure because... Obviously, it's, it's a tough one. Like we've talked about all the interview practices that might not have been to textbook, or not, you know, the best way to get solid information out. 100%, I think these kids seen something. And uh, hopefully we can get one of these directors on in the future to give us a little more insight. Uh, yeah, I my thing is the, the kids, and it's, it's not like it's 60 grade sixers. It's like you have a wide variety of children saying this. And saying these accounts and take everything else out. Kindergarten through grade sixes, they don't work. They don't work together. They don't play together. They don't like, they're not cooperating. You know what I mean? Like to me, that, that part strikes me as like why I believe they did see something. I'll go as L2. Like, I don't know what Um, I, I like to lean because of the messages that were given I like to lean into like a, a Mike Masters theory where this is some sort of future versions of us coming back and just maybe trying to butterfly effect change something. Yeah, I definitely, I'll, I have to agree. I don't want to be lame and I love playing contrarian, but with that sheer amount of fucking people, it's, it's, there, there was definitely something seen. And as far as like, you think about it, if these kids came up with this elaborate ruse you know, by the time that they got home, they saw this shit at recess. By the time that they got home, if they faked it, they would have forgot about it. They would have been like, 
they wouldn't even thought of talk to their to talk to their parents about it. They would have been on about every fucking thing else, you know, or they wouldn't even wanted to include their parents because they know that's even more that's going to get them in more trouble. Right. Why? Why would we bring them into this, too? Yep. Right. Like these kids definitely saw something. Was there a massive fucking telephone game? And then a month later, when some rando came to interview them as a, a group, that story got exaggerated potentially. Yep. Right. Was this a fucking random Michael Jackson pop-up show <laughs> and it scared the shit out of the kids and they're like, oh, this is not the effect we wanted. Let's leave and <laughs> pretend like this never fucking happened because we terrified a bunch of fucking elementary school kids. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what happened. But I like, this was really cool considering like, I what was it? There was a school, there was that one school sighting in like the sixties in, in Australia too, right? Like uh, yeah. maybe there is, maybe UFOs are, are picking schools for a reason to try to educate the youth. Like these are, you know, I don't know, but something definitely <laughs> happened here. Yep. Right. Hey, where did the, I wonder where the, what's the, what's the slogan where children are the future or whatever. I wonder if that's. Hey, children are the future. Yeah. That's probably what the future wants you to think. That's what I'm saying <laughs> is they came back. They instilled that. Dan. I'd have to, I'd have to say, I agree that these children all, probably saw something uh there are we mentioned before there's a lot of discrepancies about what the kids actually saw do we, do we have some sort of like, fucking siren we're on the same page do we have <gasps> some confetti that shoots off well, not, <laughs> Is that the- I, I i do have problems about you know again the how the methodology how some of the interviews were approached and how some of the things in that i don't agree with the malawi medical journal uh academic article that came out where they 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 kind of lumped this in with episodes of mass hysteria i went over that yeah. academic uh that's they, one that kind of they attribute up. this like six lines to this right yeah they give it like they say oh it's meta it's like mass hysteria there's a there's a event in you know harare zimbabwe and they give like yeah they give like six lines to it and it's like that doesn't really that doesn't gel with all the other ones that you're putting there where it's like people were, you know, kids were having illnesses and it's like, you know, you could chalk it up to psychosomatic, whatever, that kind of stuff. It, it doesn't really gel with the other ones that I went through that article. So if the kids saw something, I still think it could be like a couple of them saw something and then it just like Andrew said, it could be some type of the telephone game that it kind of went on again. You had two months for these kids to kind of do this UFOs. It's not like this was, I can't say this is exactly like spontaneous. If there had been nothing, uh, coming, uh, like leading up to this, like I had mentioned before, like UFOs were already, um, UFOs were already in the public mind. Like they had had that meteor, they had had that meteor shower behind, which actually that, you know, in the two days before, which actually ended up being like a chunk of like a, like space trash, like space junk that had like, I think it was like a booster rocket yeah, it was. from a, from a lot, from a spacecraft that had launched earlier and that burnt up. And so you had this, you know, that stuff was already in the public mind. So you had these, these kids leading up to it. If, if they saw something, it might've been, I don't know, it could have been road workers, could have been something, uh, like we said, you know, we, we kind of emphasize, and I think a lot of people will focus on the kids that saw, like drew these like grays, but you also had this other kid who said he was close enough to see hair, like on one of these. Yeah. One one of the girls said they were within three feet, like arms reach. Yeah. And some of the kids said that, you know, that the, these creatures, what they saw, these figures were on top of the ship. Were they in front of it? Some said they saw a lot of silver balls floating around. Some Ooh, of them said they saw Robert one Paul? long craft. Not yeah, Robert Phantasm. Palmer. Robert Taylor? Phantasm. What? what was the big silver balls? Robert Taylor or Robert Palmer? Phantasm. 
Robert Taylor incident. <laughs> Robert Palmer is addicted to love. Robert Taylor is the Scottish <laughs> dude that saw the fucking the balls. The bulls. Yeah, but Robert I could Taylor, I yeah, could yeah, definitely yeah. see that maybe these kids saw something and maybe there was a small section of them that actually saw something. And then once like once it starts rolling and like, you know, you get the parents involved and they're all freaking out about that. The kids saw something kids might have had just like all solidified it all reinforced. Like, did you see something, you know, oh, it looked because you had some of the kids who are aware of what a UFO was because, you know, one of the kids in the interview that I focused on that, that jumped out at me was like, oh, some of the kids, when they came in, they said that they saw a UFO. So it's like some of the kids already know what a UFO is. And then once they tell everybody else that all just like, like Andrew said, it's the witch that lives two down, two hours down from the fucking school. That's what they saw. That's what everybody thinks that they saw. I was a scumbag that created that. I, I, I know. <laughs> I'm the piece of shit that did He's it. He's taken so. full responsibility. I did it. It was me. But, you know, it's it's been a long time, so it, it's really hard to get enough information on this. Again, I would have liked to see a really hardcore, uh, solid uh, academic approach had, had been taken. That would have been nice. But again, but John Mack didn't have much to work with when he was out there. So, I, I you know, I'll leave it as just, as just that. I think he did the best with what he could. And, um, you know, maybe if we get... Uh, you know, the director in here, we can ask him some questions about, uh, you know, his viewpoints on it. And that'd be really cool. And I'd, I'd love to to look at it again with his, uh, from, you know, with his point of view. Oh, yeah. Fun case, though. Highly yeah, requested. Definitely. It's uh, good to look into. All right. We got a, we're going back to, we're going to dissect a couple UFO videos. And for those of you who don't know, we're uh, putting all of these on, on our socials, but mainly we've been neglecting our YouTube page for far too long. And uh, Braden's been working tirelessly putting together these UFO videos. So if you want to check... Braden, social media czar. Yeah, exactly. He's putting in the time. So if you want... I mean, he is getting paid well for it. <laughs> I, I do get paid for it. Get paid, well, he gets paid. Well, we'll see. Yeah, it gets paid well. <laughs> and, and if it's for this, that's questionable. Yeah. yeah. So you can check it out. Just search for Alien Theorist Theorizing on YouTube, or you can find it in the link tree. You can find it on our website. Easy to find, but Brain's going to be posting the videos and then taking this snapshot of us reviewing the videos and posting them after. So first video, I, I got, uh, you said video four and seven, I believe. Yes. So uh, these ones were submitted within 12 hours of each other. Uh, interesting with these videos is, as you're going to see, is that both videos are in Arizona. The reason why I wanted to do these is uh, if you're in Arizona and you saw some lights in the sky September 3rd or 4th, um, let us know because these two people did and they submitted these uh, videos to MUFON. All right. So we got first video. Here we go. Let's play it here. Yeah, a little volume, I think, believe, too. Oh, yeah. I spared no expense. Hey, we put the time in here. Video one, so we'll describe it. Uh, dusk scene, cloudy sky, a couple orange. Wait, was it, what, what, what did that video say at the beginning? Hold on. At the beginning? Just keep watching. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go back to it. We'll go back to it. So a couple orange glowing orbs on the horizon. Cloud cover behind. Obviously Chinese lanterns, for sure. It was They're Chinese big lanterns. Talk of dirt coming. Too big to be Chinese lanterns. There's kind of glowing and floating along. It's hard to tell speed because they seem they could be very far away here. So. Uh, 
floating. Nothing too crazy. One's kind of catching up to the other. Yeah, I fucked up. It's supposed to be five and seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this one's... Uh, I was this like, that's Indianapolis. Uh, that's yeah, I was like, this was one? not Arizona. I was like, yeah. wait a minute. Uh, the I first one's supposed to be... Uh -huh. Yeah. Oh, so get rid of this one? Not that one. Oh, it's, well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's interesting video. Is it? Yeah. Hey, it's a video. That one's uh, interesting, hey, but the other I'll two watch have like a, a geographical connection. Connection, yes. I'll watch a video of Chinese lanterns any day. That was pretty yeah, good. Sure. They're yeah, too big, that. boy. They're too big for China lanterns. <laughs> Those Chinese lanterns, they were the stars in the skies. So as far as that one goes, I mean, it was uh, hard to tell. A couple gl orange glowing orbs floating on the horizon. Tough, tough one. Yeah. To, tough one to really dissect. Uh, second one here. This one is the. It's the proximity. Is the, of. Uh, I doesn't like this one. I doesn't like this one. One. So give me a second here. What's going on here? What's going on? <laughs> What's going on here, boys? We hey, we brought the, the enthusiasm the today. Okay, so uh, can't blame it on that. All right, let's try. Let's try this again. Let's try round round two. Round two. This will get cleaned up in round post. Three actually. Tucson, Arizona. Tucson. September fourth. Case, case file one one seven seven four eight. Mufon. Okay. Oh shit! So we got a ton of glowing orbs. It's the Phoenix lights. Pitch blackout. Yeah, dude. Dude, that's pretty nuts. The fuck is that? Couple moving in weird directions. Well, they, if you look at the bottom one, I I was not sure if it's is it three independent lights or is it actually a larger triangle craft with three, um, like three corner lights. And this is the second video of the same the same person saw the, the lights fade and they come back and he takes the uh, video again. I I don't like this video as much, even though the lights are moving. But because we can't see the backdrop, it's tough to say if that's a hillside. Yeah, these ones are more stationary. But there is are, th that, th no, there's a couple moving though. There are moving, but my issue with the second video is that oh, they're moving. The, sure. Where you're looking at the tree line, that could be a raised mountain in the background or something. I I just don't know enough. Whereas yeah, the first video, yeah, those uh, those ones don't look like they're moving. They're staying over that same. Tree. Oh, the ones on the left, I've been moving this entire yeah, the time. Left, left yeah, the left ones were they moving. They were moving for sure. Look how close they, together they are now. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're definitely they're definitely Chinese they're, lanterns, boys. That's it might be China lanterns. <laughs> and there's another angle here, <laughs> and then there's a third angle where he sees yet another one. But like, look at that perfect triangle formation. Oh man, that's weird. That's fucking cool. I would be shitting my pants if I saw this. How come? Like, yeah. What's the like? How come the lights? Are going on and off like on that tree. Like, what's illuminating that tree in the front? Like, that's all. It's that's my some question. Street light, street light, or something. Looks like, right? Yeah. But like, it goes off like in some sections. Oh like yeah, they like flicker all the time. That's um, that's pretty normal. Yeah. Well, I, now, actually, there's a little piece of it you can see. It's like a maybe a house flood flood lamp on the front. Or sure, sure. Okay, maybe that's now, what turned on. Some rakings, probably. If you like what you on. see. Uh, so that's in Tucson, and the interesting one with that one is that. Um, a couple hours before that, um, on the, so that was taken, submitted for September 4th. And then a couple hours before that in the evening of September 3rd, someone in Mesa, Arizona saw very similar lights in the sky and they also submitted it. And the reason I thought those two were interesting 
was just because of the the how close they were in proximity and how similar they were into what you see in the video. Um, sorry, Zell, I know you're trying to prep it last second here. Hopefully I talk long enough uh, for you to pull up video five. Video five? Oh, I thought yeah. that was two videos. That wasn't. Well, Bane gave me the wrong no, video. Man. Let's hear. Okay, well, let's do it on the fly here. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, okay. I gave him the wrong it's two podcast, videos. God damn it. <laughs> so that's, that's three videos from, that's all from Tucson. Right. And now, I, Dan, do you know the, like, I'm not from Arizona. I should have looked this up. I don't I'm know what, what's the, <laughs> this may surprise You're from me. America. You should know yeah. this. Oh, that's right. I am from America. <laughs> I am expert on all America geography. Yeah. I've um, been there. What do you want to know, Braden? I so, went there once. So this is interesting. It's only an hour and a half drive away from, from, from the first From Mesa site? to Tucson. Right. Mesa and Mesa's, Tucson. Right. Mesa looks like a suburb of Phoenix. Okay. I, I think that's but, where me and Amigo Grande stayed when we went to watch the Cardinals versus the Lions a couple years ago. Right. And did so, you see Jamie's lanterns? No, but they fucking tied. Is the word. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got we got video five. Let's put let's put video five up here. Okay. So we, a little bit. So of, this was taken on the evening of the third. So you know, a couple hours before the Tucson video. Mesa, Arizona, just before Mesa, Mesa, Mesa. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> Sure All right, Mesa. so different different angles. You can see it's earlier and it's before nighttime. Three, you got three Dust. lights on the horizon this time. You got you got street lights kind of shining down. Oh, this guy's fingers right point. He knows he's pointing at for us. <clears throat> Those are not planes. I'll take his word what for it. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? I'd be saying the same thing. The way they're in line with the street lights, so it kind of looks like they're just like street lights further down. And they're not really moving, these ones. They don't seem to be. Yeah, this one's no, not as convincing like, of the lights. No. It's hard to tell if they're moving because, yeah, they're like well And the other there. ones were orange. But I mean, those ones, these ones definitely aren't moving. Like, it's kind of weird. Like, I, they don't seem to be moving. And they're in directly in line with this fucking street light. Yeah. Yeah, above the building like like me. Dude, they're hovering. They're hovering, he says. Okay. But still, it looks like three. It kind of looks like the one light is two lights in one, the top light there. Like it's they're merged together, maybe. But it's hard to tell because we're looking through like lens flare of like flood lamps off the street here. So, I mean, that one on the very, I mean, that definitely is that one on the very right. That looks like a street light. It looks like there's something underneath it. Really yeah, there's a the bunch of lights close. below it that are definitely lights off that building. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, This the angle's not as great on this video, but... It's not scoring as high on the Gimlin scale. Yeah, lower on the Gimlin scale for <laughs> no, sure. It's lower. <laughs> yeah. I'm not buying that one. But, I don't know, that video goes on for a while, but... I'd have to, you know, I would just like to know, for me, like, I would look for, I would look more into it. Uh, I just need some information, like, you know, which direction they're facing, what street, like, you know... I would go into Google Street View is your friend. Like I could be like pop on there and be like, okay, what's out there? Uh, I'd like the exact temperature of the evening. Mm -hmm. I'd love the exact timing. (laughs) I'd love the smell of the wind. Everything. Approximate humidity, uh, cloud, you know, cloud overcast, percentage of cloud overcast, uh, flight schedules from the, you know, (laughs) at least three airports within the vicinity would be nice. That'd be cool. If you're in the Phoenix area uh, in early September, if you saw lights in that time, 
uh, let us know. Or you know people who let us know. Like just you know people who saw lights. Let us know, right? Let's. I want to. I want to see if there's more people in that area in that time frame that saw these similar lights in the sky. Send us definitely videos. Mesa. K has confirmed that it's Mesa. So yeah, I so believe them. I had no idea. <laughs> oh, Mesa, nothing. Mesa, Mesa. It's def. It's definitely Mesa. <laughs> But they're too big for China lanterns. <laughs> too oh, big yeah. for Chinese lanterns. lanterns. Away with you. Lanterns. Away with you. Right, what else we, we got to do here? Uh-oh. That song's got staying power. Oh, yeah. I love that song. Still charting. After all, it's a banger. Coldberry rock that song. Fuck yeah. All right, so at the beginning of these things, like we fucking all know, this isn't new, this is old, we know. Happened to a friend of a friend of a friend of mine, but it's easier to make it entertaining, you know, paint a little picture for you if we say it in first person. So uh, this particular situation takes place in a small interior city in the middle of the summer, let's say probably around 2.33 in the morning. Now, Ooh, I like that. at this point in time, you know, our friend of a friend is in the, they're in the ambulance bay, scrubbing the equipment down. It's busy night. You know, it's, it's three in the morning and it's still over 30 degrees, sweltering, heat wave, running off their feet, exhausted, scrubbing down the equipment when out of nowhere, you, they hear this ridiculous screech and fucking bang, like, like hurt your ears. It was so loud. So you knew it was close. So right away. Looked up at my partner. I was like, holy fuck. Obviously, this is going to be something. So finish the cot, throw it in the back of the ambulance. And just as we're closing the doors to the ambulance, radio comes on. They're like, we need an available bus here right away. So we're like, you know, do and do Alpha 2. We'll get on the air. So hop in the ambulance, hit the lights, sirens, and boogie. Now, it was so loud. And the reason why it was so loud is because it was literally right around the, around the fucking corner. Oh, shit. So we get dispatched code three to a high mechanism MVI, which is a motor vehicle incident. Little did we know that when we rounded this corner, this vehicle is what we're being told it was. Looked like you got hit by a fucking bazooka. Fuck. Like, I'm talking fucking smoke, <laughs> steam, fire, fucking shrapnel everywhere. And, you know, you're walking, you're stepping over stuff. There's tires, there's everything everywhere. There's a fucking down power line. Trees are down. And then when you finally to lay eyes on this fucking vehicle, it doesn't, like, all you see is a black clump of something. So no idea what the make and model of this vehicle is. Absolutely zero clue. And this vehicle is still on fire. Since we were fucking two minutes away from this, we were the first people on scene. So... Look over at my partner and I'm like, grab the fire extinguisher. Like, let's go have a look, see what's going on. It's right now, this road, this isn't a highway. This is a res residential area <laughs> where the speed limit is fucking 50, right? So these people are like this. This is if this if they didn't get shot by a bazooka, they were obviously speeding to the point where they were trying to go back in the fucking future. Okay? <laughs> so. Right, we get get my partner to grab the fire extinguisher. And we go, obviously, by Approaching the scene, you're like, these. Th whoever's in this vehicle is obviously deceased. There's no, this is not sustainable for life. Like, there's no way somebody survived this. So you start kind of coming over and you look, and then finally we get close enough, and there's 
still someone in the passenger seat. And you're like, okay, you know, they're on fire. I looked at my partner. I'm like, start dousing the flames. I'm going to try and get my hand in, not going to get burnt and obviously just pronounce this person dead. So as I reach across to check this person's carotid artery, I look down and, you know, it's kind of weird. Like, oh, there's like the driver's not in here. So maybe they lived and fled or maybe they got ejected. Ejected's probably the more likely. And so like I look down and I'm like, yeah, they definitely got ejected everything but their leg. So there's oh, still a oh. leg in the driver's seat. So I'm like, okay, that's bizarre. We're going to have to try and find out who that leg belongs to in a second. But we're going to go down here and we're going to find. Feel for a carotid artery. As this person's like covering my face, as this person's getting sprayed with the fire extinguisher. And they do, in fact, have a carotid artery, believe it or not. Now, this, this scene is covered in smoke. Shit's popping. Lines are crackling. Like, it's... It's, it's utter fucking chaos. You can't breathe. You Obviously, we're in the midst of a pandemic, so everybody's wearing masks anyways, but your nostrils are still being fucking burned by the smells. Look over at my partner. I'm screaming. I'm like, you need to start dosing this area. This person's got a carotid artery. We need to pull them out. As they as my partner starts dosing them, the fire department grants and scene. I look at them. I'm like, grab the, grab the cock, grab the cock quick. And I go to fore and aft this person out of the car. So I wrap my arms around their fucking chest and try to pull them up out of the car and something's stuck. I'm like, what the fuck? I look down. Okay. Seatbelt. Take all my seatbelt colors, snip the seatbelt. Try again. Still stuck. And you look and the passenger side airbag is just melted to this person. Oh my God. Right. So like quickly grab my knife, fucking slice it, pull them. And I'm like, at this point in time, like they have a carotid artery, but I'm assuming in my brain, I'm assuming this person's probably a vegetable. Like this, this doesn't make sense. They're must be mangled, but it's pitch black. There's smoke, there's steam. There's you, you have absolutely no idea what's going on, right? So my first thought, like I know cars don't blow up. I found out in the 2011 riots. I thought they did, not like movies, cars don't blow up. Anyways, but I'm like, we need to get this person out, stabilize their airway, whatever. So we get underneath, pull them out, get them down on the ground to see what the hell's going on right away. Control the airway, start bagging them. Look at my part, I'm like, we need a set of vitals. Like, you know, go pressure is like 30 on nothing. O oxygen saturation levels are in the low 60s, maybe taking one breath, two breaths on their own. We're like, okay, so we stabilize this airway. And you look down and this person looks to have third degree burns from their groin area all the way up to their head. The hair has been singed down to look like, look like mine, like a buzz cut. Like this person is severely burned and in extremely bad shape. So control the airway, go to look, airways way too way too swollen burned to, to put an airway in yet so we're just you know go in for an OPA which is just a an oral airway throw that in start bagging get them in the back of the car call for ALS we're like okay listen we're gonna need sedation this person needs to be like they need uh, endotracheal tubing they need to be tubed properly dispatch says no ALS available get going so controlled the airway trying to find a, an IV on this person. The only vein you could find was in the foot. Oh. Started a large IV in their foot, start dumping fluid in them, get the pressure up a little bit, and next thing you know, we're at the hospital. Okay? At this point in time, as we're getting ready, out of nowhere, the patient lurches forward on the bed and just grabs my face as I'm bagging them and starts squeezing my face. So, it, like, okay, you know, this is... A, it's terrifying because they're grabbing you as skin is just sloughing off their arms and they're grotesquely burned. 
but you know we're, we're got we obviously have their pressure up they're they're doing better okay so potentially they were super hypoxic or maybe they had they were knocked unconscious whatever they're semi-conscious at this point in time rush them into the emergency room do a quick report to the emergency doctor and this is this i'm not this emergency doctor is fucking batman within a minute of being in that emergency room pulls out a scalpel two giant incisions from her armpit from the patient's armpit down to their waist all down all the down to their waist all the way to their waistline boom and then one across their abdomen which is called an escherotomy which basically what it does is it relieves the pressure and gets blood flow back to them but like the more the wildest thing about this is the fact that the person didn't bleed a drop vampire which no they basically cooked full Ugh. thickness burns not a drop of blood oh no right Rest, the, the respiratory therapist comes in intubates them controls the airway we've got their pressure up to a normal blood pressure normal considering this person was alive when we left and maintained life as far as we know from that evening which we had absolutely zero idea about. We get a call from our manager being like, you know, can you guys come back to scene when you're done? We get back there. We do a quick little debrief and we find the driver. The driver looked like the victim of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. They were basically ripped in half from the shoulder down to their leg. Oh my God. Never seen anything like that. But at the end of the day, the moral of the story, ladies and gentlemen, kids of all ages, wear your fucking seatbelts. Seatbelts. One person on. is alive today. The other person got bitten by a T-Rex. That's the difference. Oh. Yeah, the, uh, jeez. Don't speed, man. Oh. Nothing's that, nothing's that important. No. God, no. Don't drink a drive. Don't speed and wear your fucking seatbelt. But a seatbelt won't protect you from a T-Rex. That's despite putting <laughs> Vic's vapor rub in our friend of a friend's nose for fucking three days still. Couldn't get her out. That's all they could smell. Ooh, okay. Well. <laughs> well. All right. Theorite of the week. Theorite of the week. Who do we got? It's Bear Country for their fucking badass artwork that they made. Can we put some yeah. of that on the screen? It's fucking amazing. Uh, no, I don't have it up. But you can find that. You can find it on our Instagram, on our Facebook, socials. Awesome. What do you do? Like six designs? Seven. Oh, he yeah. did all like Sailor Jerry style paintings that we've turned into t-shirts. Yeah, they look like uh, old school tattoos. They look amazing. Yeah. They look incredible. There's a, a Bigfoot design. There's a reptilian design. There's a... Uh, hashtag look it up gravestone design. Um, you know what I mean? Design. They're like, they're, they're great. They're, they're some awesome. of the best designs anyone's ever sent us. Um, the guy's an absolute beauty legend at bear country. He's linked in, he's linked on the T public site. We'll link him on Instagram. Absolute beauty. Been around a long time. We appreciate it. That's yeah. probably my favorite merch we've made. Like, honestly, I want to yeah, buy one of each of those shirts. They look so fucking cool. They do look cool. We will buy our own merch. All those shirts. They're dope. All right. And if you're not already, you want early access to case files, live streams, Discord, 
all the bonus stuff, head over to patreon.com slash alien theorist podcasts or find the link in the podcast description. This week's newest supporters. Scott Sheldrick. Why is this going on? What is this going on? Oh, better. Kevin Nash. There we go. I thought Kevin Nash turned to take over the screen again there, <laughs> but he did not. Scott Sheldrick, Cheryl, Oneski, Quincy Washington, DeMichael Contreras, Jolene, Oliver Exeri, Hunt Warnes, Chase Lovelace, The Russian Guy, Brian Kimmel, Steve Will, Sean McDevitt, Shelby, Chromo47, and Preston Lynn. Thank you very much for supporting the show. And as we always say, keep those eyes on the skies. See you in after hours. So I was talking to, I ordered a second webcam, uh, conspiracy. So conspiracy when he comes here. Yeah. So for me, so I, you I can see you, more of me, some more brain. <laughs> I'm going to actually just going to be four cameras and it's all brain, all brain and all yeah. four boxes. Right, uh, we're going to have, and I'm not going to, it's not so I can change cameras so you can get multiple angles of me on the show. There's nothing um, from the back. Yeah. Well, from the back's my best. That's the best for you, buddy.